This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine Opi show. You know, I was uh, telling my kids the other day that uh, I never thought the 90s had a look, but you look at pictures of ourselves, oh boy, the 90s really does have a look, doesn't it? If I would have known what was going to happen to my hair, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone through the mullet years. Is that your final haircut was the mullet? Yeah, well, the comb over, is that a haircut? That counts. Yeah, all right. Well, then no. But okay, that's good. It was the last official one. Did you ever have the the mullet in the back and the bald on top at the same time? No, no you mean the Joe Dirt? Yeah, no, that, I never, that I never went been, Joe Dirt. That would have been a great look. Listen to <laughs> Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon, or wherever you find podcast just search for radio misfits the following is a tony lasano podcast an opi production on the radio misfits podcast network this is the minutia men celebrity interview with rick kempfer and dave stern the following is a tony lasano podcast an opi show on the radio misfits podcast network this is the minutia men celebrity interview with rick and dave Okay, Dave, uh, we have a very talented filmmaker on the show this week. Uh, He's produced and directed five great films. We're going to talk about all of them. Um, We have known this young man, though, uh, since he was 16 years old, right? We've known him since, I I believe, we met him at Farm Aid. No, I think think we met. Was it even before then? No, I think it was at a Robert Plant concert that we took, that we drove up. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Brent... His brother Brent, and you were, and and Eckhart's Press author Brent Peterson, uh, and Brent introduced you to a introduced us to a young Scott Peterson. Do you remember that, Scott? Uh, I I don't remember that, but I like going back. I'm I remember I went to a Robert Plant concert in 1983, that first tour, and I believe that show was in Peoria. Huh. But I do remember Farm Aid too, but that was 1985. Yeah, so. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's hard to remember which which one of those. But if my brother was, I'm five years younger, so if he was, you know, eighteen or nineteen, then you know, of course I would have been, uh, you know, a little bit younger than that. But somewhere around there, I remember uh, uh, you guys and the, the whole uh, group of people at <laughs> University of Illinois. Let's talk about my hair, Scott. <laughs> I, what did you like so, best about I'm my so, hair? I'm sold that I remember Dave's hair. <laughs> wow. Uh, but before we get into your movies, let's get this out of the way. Uh, yes. You are not the murderer, Scott Peterson. Am I correct about that, right? Th- that is correct. I believe he is in a federal institution <laughs> okay. uh, in Northern California, as far as I know. And he also spells his name differently from me. So, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not the first person to say that. <laughs> well, you know, that would probably be a more compelling interview, to be honest with you. <laughs> Listen, if you can get that interview, I would say go for it. I, I kind of think the odds are, you know, not so great, though. Yeah. OK. Uh, you know, you're also um, you're not the uh, same. There's a whole. Did you know that on IMDb, there's like 70 Scott Petersons? No, I know. That I, I remember looking it up once because, you know, you want to register a domain or something. Yeah. And you're like, that dude's a composer and he spells the name exactly the same as me. And I'm well, just like, there's a guy right, you got to find something else. The guy who wrote Batman Dark Tomorrow uh, is named Scott Peterson. A, an actor who appeared in Pony Express Rider in 1976 is Scott Peterson. 
Uh, A man from the animation department of the Iron Giant from 1999, Scott Peterson. Wait a second. I thought that was the Scott Peterson that we're interviewing. (laughs) The man from the sound department in Breath in Three Verses from 2013, Scott Peterson. Doesn't Scott Peterson also have hot dogs? Isn't there Scott Peterson hot dogs? I think that's right. Back in the day when I lived in Chicago, there I, I thought it was a Chicago-based company, but I could be wrong. But I remember I'd be sitting in my apartment, and on occasion I would get a call, and somebody would be like, "Can I send a resume?" You know, thinking <laughs> that they were that they were calling the hot dog, and I'm just like, I'm just like, no, I, you no, you got the wrong. I can't help you on that one. So, but you were also not the Scott Peterson from Metroid Prime 3 from 2007. <laughs> You're not the Scott Peterson, the actor from The Dropout in 2008. That is not you? No. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that there were that many of them. I'm sure there's a website you can look at to find all the well, Rick Campers and, and Dave, well, Dave no, Stearns. There's, there's Imagine all the Dave, Dave Stearns. Yeah, there's a lot of Dave Stearns. Yeah, you're not going to find many Rick Campers, but uh, I, think, uh, I think there are about 50,000 Dave Stearns. It's a, it's I actually I, I actually remember there is a website where you can see the frequency of your name in the United States and it will tell you like how many there are and I was just like, "Oh, how interesting." So, you know, hours of fun for uh the Minutia Men guys. Well, the reason we wanted to talk to you this week is uh cuz you did a great movie uh last decade and and it's super relevant today because the movie is called Scrabble-On, which follows competitive Scrabble players. And in this pandemic, I don't know if you know this, um, but Scrabble is one of the biggest sellers in the country right now. It's it's huge because families are all locked up. They're playing it together. They're getting divorced over it, probably. There's there's a whole new generation of Scrabble players that are going to come out of this pandemic ready to tackle the world. We think it's time for a sequel. Well, oh, yeah. I, I would I would say this is that there's a, there's a whole new group of people who are learning how to upset the Scrabble board when they, you know, get yeah. challenged <laughs> yes. successfully, just just flipping it up and the <laughs> tiles going flying everywhere. You so know, uh, my, my biggest question about that, um, and it was the first thing I thought when I saw the movie is how did you even know that this thing existed, this competitive Scrabble world out there? How did you find well, out about it? Well, actually, uh, a friend of mine had sent it to me. There was a there was a fantastic article in Sports Illustrated of all places, mm. and it, I guess it's sports adjacent at the very least. And this guy wrote this really colorful article about a tournament that had taken place, I believe, in Las Vegas, and it was like the World Championships. And so it was just uh, you know a fantastic article and full of very interesting characters. And of course, like when you first hear about it, you're like competitive Scrabble, you know, so that's how initially I found out about it. And then my, you know, my friend is just like, he, he wanted to go off and do other things. And I, and I was just like, well, I think I want to do it. And he's like, oh, go, go ahead and knock yourself out. So that's kind of how I found out about it. Oddly enough, the current uh, news about Scrabble, in, a, in addition to what you just mentioned, was um, they actually took some words out of the dictionary that are now considered offensive. And there's like, there's like a huge debate in the Scrabble community about this because a lot of the players are just like, these are just words, but in the current climate, it's just like they decided these words are no longer appropriate for the dictionary. Wow. So, which is actually, it, it is somewhat addressed in the, in Scrabble on. But of course what that are, was What are some of the words ago. we're talking yeah, about here? Words? I mean, uh, this I, you know, I, podcast, I'm anything sure, goes. I'm sure you can think of all the appropriate, inappropriate words that people say now. 
Um, but it's, it, you know, it's like ethnic slurs or oh, racial okay. slurs. More cancel culture, Scott. <laughs> yes, that's correct. It is correct. Yeah. So, but any, you know, they, but the thing is, is that the association that kind of administers the stuff, it's owned by the corporation. So they have a different thing than maybe what the players do, you know? Wow. That, that's, so that's fascinating. What was, what was, yeah. what was the name of the, I'm just remembering the, 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 I think you referred to him as the Bobby Fisher of Scrabble. Uh, cause that guy was, is to tell us, I mean, it's such a vivid character. Tell us about, I don't even remember what his name. What's his, do you remember? Well, are, are you talking about GI Joel Sherman? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So GI Joel Sherman is this guy in New York who I believe he won the championship a few years ago, which is amazing. Cause you know, as, as you age, I'm sure you guys don't know this, but as you age, your memory becomes a little bit more We've you know, read unreliable. About it. Yeah. You've mm-hmm. read about it, right. Mm-hmm. So um, this guy, he he would he was like a Scrabble champ, and he was one of the best players, and he was just very colorful because he had all these ailments about him that you know he couldn't eat this and he couldn't eat that. Like he was allergic to like cucumbers and lemons and all these things. Like now you think of, oh, peanut allergy, it's pretty common. But he had all the all these unusual um, allergies. And so one of the other players named him G.I. Joel for gastrointestinal. <laughs> so the G.I. is not a military term. <laughs> no. And, and, if, and if you ever met him, it would be like it would be like the last thing. And, you know, it's like he had all these ailments. So, I mean, it's like we're kind of being flippant about it. But it prevented him from working because it's like he, he just couldn't work. He had all these problems. So he couldn't really work. And uh, but. You know, really, he was a really, really smart guy. Like he, he was, he was a good guy to interview, not just because he was sort of an interesting character, but really, really smart. And that's one of the things that becomes nice when you interview somebody is that they're intellectually, uh, uh, you know, stimulating. Well, sorry, so you're not he, getting that from us right now. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, we can't always get what we want. Uh, you know, the the Scrabble world though is a is a it's a cutthroat world. I mean, uh, there was a story a couple of years ago about a Scrabble cheating scandal in England. I yeah. don't know if you heard about yeah. that. the The player was banned for life for doing yeah. that. I mean, that, that stuff, they, they have very particular rules about how you do stuff. Now, there was a thing called coffee housing, which means it's basically just like trash talking. So if you watch basketball or football, the guys, you know. <laughs> you they, call that a vowel? <laughs> right. It's just like, but you can you can mess with other people's heads, you know. And so there's a certain amount of that that's, that's accepted. And some people like it and some people don't. But it just really depends on, on the scale. And if you're on the losing end of it, you know, you're probably not going to like it as much. Wow. But pe- people would do stuff, and you know, it's like you're supposed to hold the bag above your head so you can't <laughs> see into the bag for the tiles, and you can't, you know, the uh, you know the blank tile, you know, you can't feel for the blank tile. Oh, you know what I mean? Being, right, because uh, you could tactilely figure out which one doesn't right, have any. Right. Uh-huh. right. So, so there, there, there's that whole thing. But you know, when you get to the professional level, of course, they're all smooth, so you can't. Really, the tiles are all smooth. They have a special tile. Oh, it's, so oh, wow. it, it's it's like, you know, playing your, you know, baseball around. You know, it's like you're playing your indoor Whiffle Nerf uh, back at U of I. Yeah. In, Which, by the way, I was the it, best player in history. I, I'm sure you were. I don't doubt that. The, the record will state. 
Um, so, so the professional tiles are like Ken dolls. They're all smooth. Down there. <laughs> yes. For, okay. for, for lack of a better uh, uh, comparison, you are correct. Uh, speaking of Ken dolls, uh, this is this is a, a tangential segue. But I remember a part of the movie. Wasn't it that there was some foreplay? I haven't seen it in a few years, but wasn't like there were a couple that would play Scrabble to 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 as a, as a form of foreplay and something went uh, wrong or something or tell me about that am i dreaming this well there there was a couple who were from chicago at the time marty gabriel who was one of the top players and um he he said that yeah sometimes i forget if it was him or if his wife one of them said like you know they're kind of joking around yeah it's kind of like our foreplay you know <laughs> which is which is a funny line so i was like all right so yeah so i interviewed them like in their kitchen where they play and, you know, they listen, they found each other. And I want to say they just celebrated like their 30th anniversary or something like that. Wow. It, could, it could be it could be actually it's probably more than that. So they're still together because I just I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago. I remember and, that scene. There was like uh, he was talking about um, uh, it was like, I think, the day before the millennium. Uh, and, and they were all they were planning on New Year's Eve to play Scrabble and then, you know, could get worked up and then, you know, take it to the next step. You know, bring in right. the new year, yeah, the exactly. new century with a bang. Right. <laughs> right, right. It, but the problem was she Bingo. won. She won. And, and then she got the mood. I'm, <laughs> she didn't want to analyze the game. So suddenly she uh, he wasn't in the mood anymore. Like, I, right. I can't. I can't. Right. right. Well, see, he's he's like the the better player in the couple. Like she has, you know, other things to do. Like she, she I believe she, she was a like a, she was a, a she might have just retired. I forget, but she's she she's been a professor for a while, like an English professor, I believe. Okay. So, um, yeah. So at a certain point, she was just like, you know, time to move on, and and he he wanted to analyze it because that's what the the players will do. They they will be like, oh, when you played this, because part of the game is information how much information do you have about your opponent and since they keep track of all the tiles they know what's in the bag they know what's been played so they can kind of figure out probabilities of well if if i have this this has already been played he has this move on on the board if he had this letter he would definitely play this word but wait maybe he doesn't know that word you know so it's like there's all this this uh you know spatial recognition and uh odds and probability that you're trying to figure out while you're playing the game so it isn't uh, you know as said in the movie it's it's not a word game that's a math game that's amazing you know yeah. it, that, i really recommend this movie to everybody it's called scrabble on go go look it up i also really like your documentary called hitchhiking to the edge of sanity and dave and i were there for the premiere a few years ago in chicago great buffet by the way if i oh, remember fantastic correctly. it was fantastic <laughs> can you tell everybody the premise of that movie because it's the sort of premise you won't forget once you hear it right so it's about these two guys who were friends in um college and they knew each other in high school outside of kansas city and they went to the university of kansas and after they graduated, they uh, kind of wanted some adventures. And so one of the guys, uh, Steve, is a photographer, and the other guy, Dick, he's a writer. So they had this idea in 1970, well, we'll hitchhike across Europe and Africa, and along the way, we'll find interesting people from Kansas, our home state. We'll sell the articles. Steve will take the pictures. And 
uh, that's how we will kind of fund our trip. We'll find interesting people along the way who had Kansas uh, roots. And of course, since they have Kansas roots, they, that's kind of their end to talk to these people. So they found all these interesting people, some from Kansas, some not, who they would write articles about. And then, of course, you know, send the film back and the articles back um, and get them published. And of course, you know, when you are 21, 22, 23 years old, things tend to happen to you and uh, things get kind of dangerous and they, uh, you know, have a, have a tale to tell. And of course, Steve had all the photographs and Dick, he kept a journal with him that he wrote. And initially when he said he had a journal, I thought he just had like a handwritten journal. Well, no, it turns out that he had a Corona Skywriter portable typewriter that he took with him for wow. the entire trip and typed this thing. And so the thing is single spaced, both sides, like several hundred pages that he kept. So the whole story was pretty well documented in a variety of ways. It's, it's really great. I, you know, um, just the idea of hitchhiking <laughs> in a desert is right. just insane. Right. It's it's pretty funny. So the, the other part of the story is that sometimes people ask me, well, how did you find out about it? And the thing is that Steve is actually my uncle. So when I was a kid and we would go down to his cool photography studio in Chicago, I would see these blown up pictures on foam core of this trip. And I would just be like, what are these pictures? And so, you know, eventually, you know, forgot about these pictures. And then several years ago, I was talking to Steve on the phone and he goes, yeah, that was kind of like that trip that I took. And I was like, wait, tell me about this trip again. And he, so he kind of went through the whole trip and I was like, do you still got, you still got all the, the negatives? And he's just like, oh yeah, I still got all the pictures. And, and Dick had a journal. And I was like, where does, where's Dick these days? And he's like, oh, he's in Los Angeles. So it turns out Dick is like 20 minutes from where I live. So I was like, oh my God, that'll be an easy interview. So that was kind of the, how the whole movie came about. And, he, and it's getting great reviews and you're winning all sorts of awards and stuff. Tell us about the, you know, the reaction that you're getting. Cause it's just fantastic. Well, so it showed at some film festivals and, and uh, won an Emmy award uh, it showed on, on TV and, uh, you know, so for a while I was kind of doing what's called educational distribution and you don't want to cannibalize that because the university's paying pay more, more money. money. For, sure. Yeah. So I just recently released it on Amazon. So now it's available on Amazon for, you know, streaming and you can find it there. And then it's going to be on uh, Tubi, which is like a, an app that you can get on your smartphone or your smart TV rather. And it'll be out in October on Tubi. So if you want to watch it on, on the TV, uh, you can also do that. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's available. And it's called Hitchhiking to the Edge of Sanity. That's yeah. right. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, it's a brand extension from Carol Shelby that will take your breath away, plus a rare Mercedes 6.3 sedan that just sold. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, boy, what a weekend, huh, Adam? Loads of goals, 44 over the weekend. We'll talk about each one and analyze them with all the great teams in the Premier League. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. 
We are back with more Minutia Men celebrity interview. Hey, let's talk yet about another one of your films. I mean, you're like Scorsese here. You're, <laughs> yes. just, you're just cranking these things out. The Renaissance of Mata Ortiz. How do you did yes. I pronounce it correctly? Um, El Renaissance de Mata Ortiz. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What I said. Really yeah. inspiring movie. Very good. Tell us about that movie. Um, it's great. So in uh, in northern Mexico, near a town called Mato Ortiz, there was uh, these people who lived there prior to the Spanish arriving, and they made ceramics. And there's even some ruins called Pacime that's still there that you can visit. And they had ceramics, and they did all sorts of stuff there. They disappeared before the Spanish came. Nobody knows what happened to them. There are all sorts of theories, but I think ultimately really nobody knows because there's no record of how they really disappeared. It could have been environmental. It could have been a war. Who knows? Asteroid. Any, it could have been the asteroid, right? Um, anyway, the uh, uh, you know the town ended up sort of coming about in the early 20th century as sort of timber and um, railroad and all that. And you know it's it's a little desert town in the middle of nowhere, kind of next to the mountains. And it was on its way to becoming a ghost town, basically, because the the rail went away and the timber went away and and all these things happened. Well. There was a guy there named Juan Quesada who found these old pieces of pottery. Like he would find them in a cave. And if you dug, you know, enough in the ground, you could find these pieces of pottery. And, he, and his theory was if the people, the ancient people made this stuff, then so can I because they had all the materials. So he kind of did a trial and error and he uh finally figured it out and there's a couple people in the village making it but he was he was basically the best guy and he made these pots and trial and error kind of figured it out and you know painted them and he could use the ancient pots as sort of a template and so he would sell these pots to traders who made their way through the village and eventually some of these pots made it to a secondhand store in new mexico well, this American guy, he happened to be out in New Mexico and he went to this uh, swap shop because he liked guard sailing and that sort of thing. And he found these three pots and he's like, these are amazing because he had found an ancient pot at a yard sale like the year before. So he's like, they look really similar. I wonder who's making these. And he thought it was a woman because women typically are the ones who make pots and Sexist. sort of yeah, yeah. In the na- well, in the Native American communities, they they're the ones who typically make the pots. So he thought it was a woman. Turned out to be this guy Juan Quesada. So Spencer McCallum, he goes down to Mexico and basically has pictures of the pots, saying like, "Do you know who made these?" And people would kind of go down that road. And eventually, he found his way to Mata Ortiz and met Juan. And decided to partner up with them, and he brought the pots to the United States and showed them in museums and universities and galleries. And little by little, it, it, it sort of got bigger, and then Juan would teach his family, and then it would spread out in the village. And now there's, you know, decades later, there are hundreds of potters in this little desert town, and they uh, have you know, varying amounts of success and, you know, they're kind of world famous and they win awards and it's really amazing art. Not in addition to being a fantastic story. It's really, if you got to describe it in a few words, you'd say it's like the Renaissance of Mata Ortiz. (laughs) Yes. 
if you, you had to pick a that. couple of words, that's what I would use. Those would be the words right. I would use. Hey. Well, you're an ad man, so I would, I'll, I'll go with you on this one. All right. Finally, I want to talk about your masterpiece just for a few seconds. Um, a Buck and Change. Uh, it's a movie that you... Well, tell us about this movie because it starred some great actors. Uh, you know, I so, didn't see this on his IMDb page. <laughs> it's not on there. It's not listed as one of his films. But, okay, okay I was in the film. and uh, it, t- t- First of all, say how great I was in the film and then mention about the film. Well, Dave was definitely the star of the film with his uh, with his performance. It was quite impressive. I- I'm not sure how much of a stretch it was for him to play that, but doesn't really matter. It's just ma- matters what's on the screen. So. I was so much into character. <laughs> did you have hair then? You might have had uh, hair. I don't. I don't. What what year did that come out? The Bug and Change. I, I mean, I did it when I was in Chicago. So uh. I. I was I, very, I was probably I tufty. Remember. I was at least tufty and fluffy at that point with, okay. with the hair. Okay. Uh, but, but isn't that a, so that movie was about like a pizza delivery guy, wasn't it? Uh, it was, not yes. just any pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Joey Barbello, my friend. God. Uh, no, he was he was he was Joey Barbello right. was, was your was your right. was your buddy. Right. So that's uh, true. You yeah, have so, just ended his career. I mean, he comes. Yeah. He's nice enough to come on in the morning out in L.A. We talk about all his real films, and then you take a big dump on it at the end of this interview. I've been in so many movies, Scott, that I don't remember what character I played. You know, if I was Joey Barbello's friend, his nemesis. You know, it's just another one. Just another one in a long line of performances. But it's a of great course. film. Great film. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> now. It, to be real here, you know, people want to find some of these movies because uh, they're they're out there. Where where's the best place for for people to find your stuff? Um, well, uh, the Renaissance Mod Ortiz. Other than the pizza movie, <laughs> bucket change. I've got a videotape somewhere in my basement. If someone wants to email me, I will send you a bucket change. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Renaissance of Mata Ortiz and Hitchhiking to the Edge of Sanity are both streaming on Amazon. So I just released uh, uh, the Renaissance of Mata Ortiz on Amazon as well. So that's sort of like the latest, the latest plan. Um, Scrabble on. You can still go to my website. I'm I'm thinking of putting that on Amazon. That's just, uh, but it takes a while. So if you want to go to scrabbleon.com. Um, you can find it there. And then I have this other movie that I shot in uh, Nice, France last year that will be out in uh, at the end of the year on Amazon, too. So that's one showing at a couple of film festivals. Um, and it'll be on Amazon by the end of the year once I get once it has the film festival screenings. That one's called We Eat Soka here, which is a chickpea flatbread that they make only in Nice. It's like a local specialty. So I went there and shot shot this thing it's just a short movie it's nine minutes but uh it gives a little taste of uh nice and what uh the french riviera looks like and sort of their local food specialty that has a lot of interesting history and uh is uh pretty fun to watch all right well you're a renaissance man you are you yeah are. that's me yeah I, I like the, the the variety of topics that yeah. you're interested in. You go, I mean, that's, you go it's, art and yeah. Scrabble and pizza delivery. It's all the over the thing. place. It's all over the place. Well, one thing I like is sort of subcultures, you mm-hmm. know, because they have their own particular rules and they have their own, you know, you can do this, but you can't do that. And also it's, you know, only the people in that little subculture will understand that. 
you know, and you have your own language and what you can do and what you can't do. And so Scrabble on in particular is, is, is a good example of that because you would just think like, wait, what people play this competitively. And it's like, oh yeah. And then they have their own little community. And if you, if you're not in it, you're not going to know anything about it. And that's one of the reasons why you make the documentaries because it's interesting to you and you want to share that. I just recommended a couple of days ago i can't is it the king of kong what is the name of the documentary of the yes Donkey there's, kong? there's so so yeah so the king of kong is a documentary that this guy made i don't know 15 years ago and it's about these guys trying to get the high score in donkey kong <laughs> and it's just it's hilarious because you never think like oh that, well that sounds kind of funny and it is but there's also a villain in the movie right which which makes it so much more entertaining uh, and speaking of haircuts, the guy in that movie oh, has he a... Had, yeah, he had the Joe Dirt <laughs> Oh, haircut. did he? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, hey, but, go on, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go on. I was going to say, but that movie is fantastic. And there's another one that I think is really entertaining, too, the, that is significantly more dark than that, um, called Tickled. I don't know if you've ever heard of this mm. documentary, but it's about these... Um, it's about competitive endurance tickling. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and, my and that's, God. And of course, that is the perfect reaction to it. And you're like, what in the world is this? And then you start watching the movie and then I'll be, oh, no, it's way darker than I ever would have imagined. But it is it is it is so fantastic. It's just like, what in the world is going on in this? Isn't there also so, one uh, a movie about uh, Neil Diamond uh, parking lot, like like at a parking lot at a Neil Diamond show. Does that sound well, familiar to you? That's that's actually <laughs> the guy who made that. His name is Jeff Krulik, who's still around. He that was sort of a sequel because the 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 first parking lot movie he made was called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. <laughs> that's right. And that's right. And and he went out to a Judas Priest concert in uh, Maryland and. It's only like 15 minutes, and it's in like 1983, oh, yeah. I want to say, early to mid-80s. And he went out and shot the fans in the parking lot of you know the Civic Center or whatever, wherever the concert was held. And the people he meets out there are just phenomenal people. <laughs> They're perfect, perfect heavy metal people. I, I know. And it's like you see it and you're just like, oh, my God. Because I have – you know, I'm a little bit older or a little bit younger, so – I, I have sort of vague memories of those kind of people, uh -huh. but I always say it's like the greatest horror movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like you see these people, you're like, what? And here's the funny thing: he went back years later and found the same all these, parking lot, right? <laughs> no. He found he found these people, and oh, it was just wow, like, oh, yeah. So you can you can he puts his stuff all online. Actually, he would be a great interview for you guys. You guys should really Do talk you know to him because he's, um, uh, yeah, I know him. Oh. And and he has done he did a he did a documentary called Led Zeppelin played here with a question mark on the end that about this sort of legendary Led Zeppelin concert that people dispute whether it actually ever happened. <laughs> cool. And <laughs> and it, it is it is he, he makes all these. You know, if you take Scrabble on and then you make it even stranger and quirkier and weirder than that, like that's what he does. All right. Well, hey, there's there's something else for, for people to check out. And we are yes. uh, really appreciative of you taking some time out and uh, chatting with us on uh, this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Thank you very much, Scott Peterson. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate being on and, and uh, hope you guys uh, are doing well. Oh, we're doing great. We're just doing great. Thanks, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.
Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla from the Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Losano Los or La, Los, Los Anno and Friends, here's what you missed. Did you guys know that yes. Family Guy is a very smart show? No, uh. South Park is actually the smartest show. Why? Because it's a very conservative show done yes. in a very liberal manner, and there is so much rhetoric. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I know. still disagree that South Park is the smartest show. However, yes, it is smart in that it fools a lot of people into thinking that it's funny and or that it, it is that it is making fun of everything. Okay, I, out of things. the four shows, South Park, yes. Simpsons, yes. Family Guy, and Flintstones, yes. which is a smart show. Hold on, why are you including Flintstones? <laughs> <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever it's called. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Twisting a fatty on the White House roof. Embarrassing baseball injuries. Every political ad ever. A viral hoax from the Rick and Dave archives. And Rick's brush with television star Marilou Henner. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Man on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.